wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, really, really, really wanna find what I'm looking for in a like 12 part book series. <laughs> 16. 16 part book series. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we are discussing chapter nine. That suffices. That suffices. <laughs> so the payoff of the fool's prophecy, first prophecy mm-hmm. that was uh, told know, to us. Fitz, 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 Fitz. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that one. Specifically that one. Uh, And speaking of the fool, the first introduction to this chapter is all about rumors of his origin. Yes, which I am super excited to talk about just because I love the fool. So I like talking about him because we get so little about him anyway. I mean, just in little drips here and there spread across the whole series. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of fun to gossip about where he comes from. (laughs) It says he uh, came to Buckkeep in the 17th year of King Shrewd's rule, but that doesn't really mean anything to us because, one, we don't know how long King Shrewd actually ruled. Or what the year of his ruling is now. Or when that was in context to when Fitz is alive. Right. (laughs) Or doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little frustrating as a measurement because there is nowhere else I'm pretty sure in the series where we use any sort of year measurement right like oh yeah there's no years really um it's all kind of vague (laughs) the year of our lord 17 (laughs) king shrewd our lord um even if we knew how old shrewd was when he became king we could kind of ballpark it but i Mm. wasn't able to find that either yeah it might be somewhere, but it's very hard to find anything in 16 books. So yeah. it's a lot of words to come through. Yeah, it goes through a, a lot of different theories that people have, rumors, things like that. But um, it says in here that we have no real knowledge of the fool's life before his arrival at King Shrewd's court. And we kind of get... um. Like we said before, little drips of knowledge through the fool. And we know that he was born in a far off south village mm-hmm. to two fathers and a mother. Yes. And when he was still young, he got sent off to Claris mm-hmm. and learned about prophecy and stuff, was treated pretty badly left because he believed he was the true white prophet. Yes. And uh found his way to Jamalia. Mm-hmm. And then um I think Shrewd bought him off of like some Chalced no. traders or something like that cuz I think he found his way to Chalced. I thought he came to Shrewd pretending to be a gift from somewhere. Possibly. And I don't remember. there was no real exchange. He just said that he was a gift. I'm pretty sure. I could not find this either. And we spent about an hour and a half before this episode <laughs> just combing through different books. I was like searching, word searching on 
my ebooks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't I was find doing a specific the conversation. Way. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so hopefully we can get a correction to you or one of you guys can reach out to us and let us know where exactly the fool talks about his journey to Buckkeep because we know kind of the, uh, the starting and the end points, but we don't know where he discusses that. So reach out to us is fits happy at gmail.com or DM us or message us on any of our social medias. Yes. Um, uh, so he gets to Buckkeep and then he's there, but like all of this is unknown to the court because he eventually trusts Fitz enough to tell him that. Mm-hmm. But at this point, no one really knows. Yeah. He's an enigma. Yeah. Um, but I do want to quick ask, um, so one of the rumors is that the fool was a captive of the red ship raiders and that the Bingtown traders came and seized him from them. And so I'm wondering, does this mean that the Bingtown traders are also dealing with the red ship raiders? I think it's just kind of a combination of stuff. It, it might be, but just another fanciful tale yeah i'm guessing it was more so like uh bingtown traders came up and it kind of got mingled in the same conversation because it was the same kind of years that the red ship raiders were uptaking their raids okay so i feel like when they came they were probably discussing oh yeah those raiders are really bad on the sea right now but they never really had to deal with it because Mm. you know it was further south and right um i think it's south Am I getting my geography mixed mixed up now? Let me check the map. <laughs> Handy dandy map. Pretty sure it's south. Almost 100% positive. Um, e- yes. Perfect. It is. I, I can remember some things at least. Uh, I think they're too far south and they have to deal with the pirate isles anyways. And also Chalcid because they are always feuding with Chalcid. But. Yeah, exactly. And the Out Islanders are raid oriented not like warships for deep sea travel and long distance i guess it could be similar to like the pirate problem so if the traders come through they're getting yeah they're still getting harried and whatever okay so i kind of feel like it got conflated and those kind of got combined just like Mm -hmm. all rumors do yeah um but i do like the imagery of a baby floating down um, a waterway in a boat with a shark skin parasol. Yes. Very um, Grinch-esque. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, any other, <laughs> any other myth. <laughs> I guess. Okay. I don't know. I'm imagining the basket from the Grinch, but <laughs> do as you please with your imagery. It does say that uh, the gender of the fool has been disputed, and this is a big thing that pops up over this series, and I kind of want to touch on it right now as well. Yeah. Um, so the fool is always referred to as he, him, and that's what, fool, uh, that's what Fitz thinks of the fool in general. Yes. Amber is always a she, and in my mind, that is correct. Like, both of them are correct. Mm-hmm. The pale woman refers to him as beloved, and as a him, as a he. Yeah. Well, beloved isn't necessarily right. feminine. Right. But he, she does refer to him as a he. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but the fool also says that, like, since his people are so vastly different, it's, I think he mentioned something like, 
his anatomy is as similar to Fitz's as Fitz's to Night Eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so vastly different species that I don't even know if it matters. Yeah. In my mind, it's just like his personas are the individual facets of himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's, I mean, up to him and whatever he wants to go by at any given time. And I don't know. I, it is super confusing sometimes, and I definitely struggled throughout, I think, the whole series the first time I read it with, oh, this totally means that he's actually a she. I know it. And then something else would happen. And like, oh, well, now I know he's definitely he and less and less sure. <laughs> I remember in the end in Assassin's Quest when we meet Starling and she is convinced that the fool is a woman. You were like, I knew it. I knew he was a woman the whole time (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. And then afterwards, it like didn't matter. And then he was Amber the next series. Uh And then he was back to Lord Golden. And you're just like, well, I don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it doesn't really matter. And like he says, it's no one's business but his own. Yeah, exactly. But it is like definitely something that I think. It needs to be discussed because Fitz is his emotions and feelings towards that are very, very involved in the relationship between him and the fool. Yeah. Um, it's literally like 50% of the betrayal he feels in the Tawny Man <laughs> series <laughs> is that. So, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of... Um, it, it's in, interesting that it's brought up right now. That's true, yeah. Because it's not really talked about. I wonder if... Now, this is pure speculation and based off of nothing, but I wonder if Fitz, like, maybe at the time of writing this little excerpt, is struggling with the fact that he has a crush on the Fool, because I feel like there is some sort of romantic feeling between Fitz and the Fool, just personally, personal opinion, Um, and I wonder if because he identifies as a straight man, and he, like, doesn't see himself as liking other guys that he's trying to rationalize well maybe he he's a she and that makes sense but he doesn't quite know how to work out his feelings as we all know so he's like who knows (laughs) you know i don't know if that makes sense but see i i'm of the camp that uh while fitz feels a deep love for the fool he doesn't feel any physical or sexual attraction i think he sees beauty in the fool right but not attraction so we're kind of well yeah we'll see how that plays out in the future future books while they're definitely their relationship develops a little bit more because they barely know each other now so yeah <laughs> they both think each other are idiots and yeah. are which one of, of them is correct and it's not fits <laughs> <laughs> all right so um uh, kind of goes on and basically it it sets up this chapter by saying oh yeah he's predicted a bunch of stuff and people brush it off like he's saying just a bunch of ridiculous crazy vague things and then he can say i told you so to whatever happens later Mm -hmm. but the last sentence in in here says but in many well witnessed cases he has predicted however obscurely events that later came to pass Mm mm-hmm and as all of you have read this before, this chapter, Fat Suffices, is where Fitz saves 
uh, Lady Grace's dog. Yes. Her feist mm-hmm. with butter. <laughs> <laughs> and we also see the little doubt that maybe the fool isn't a prophet of any sort, which kind of sticks with Fitz, I think, throughout their whole relationship of he wants to believe his friend but isn't sure he can. Yeah, I think he fully leans into it in the Tawny Man trilogy, like Mm -hmm. near the end. But before that, it's just kind of like, "Uh, I guess I'm a catalyst. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Definitely. Um, Also, just real quick, I wanted to point out that other folk are mentioned. Yeah, yeah. um, Because people don't think the fool is an other folk, but they're not quite sure what he is. But I just thought it was really cool that we see other folk, which I had to double check um, that this wasn't, I wasn't misremembering, but these are the creatures that are on the other island. The others, yes, that um, we meet in, I think, the first chapter of uh, Live Ship Traders with Kenneth? Ooh, I don't know. I, maybe? I don't know if he's the first um, the first chapter or the first, first time we time meet Kenneth. Yeah. Yes. But uh, also, yeah. weird that it's just known in uh, the duchies and that it's known that they're so afraid of cats, which I think is a fact that comes in again um, whenever Kenneth is there. Yeah. And it's just like crazy. It's so weird to see the little like little tiny details that come in again. I'm kind of later now that you just mentioned that it just brought to mind other things that are weird about cats and they speak to everybody that are witted. Mm -hmm. All of cats do. So I'm wondering if it's kind of like that since the wit and skill are kind of um, similar, like you mentioned in the, the wheel, the circle of magic Yeah, and how dragons talk through their minds and others are deformed dragons that have spent too much time around humans basically before mm-hmm. they were birthed or whatever. I, I think that's how that works for the yeah. others. Um, I'm wondering if like they're afraid of cats because cats can like just speak to them directly in their minds instead of talking. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe it's because cats like don't care for their glamour and don't fall for it. I, I feel yeah. like of every animal, a cat would be the least likely to fall for glamour. <laughs> they just don't care. They, True. I don't know. But since I, that just brought to mind because they are unique in that sense and brought up as unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, prominently mentioned that they're afraid of cats. So yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we get to Fitz waking up in the middle of the night because he's hungry. Yes. And, I mentioned hunger a lot last episode because of Lady Time keeping him busy, because he had to learn manners and eat slowly at dinner and all sorts of things like that. He kept complaining about the fancy food and not being, Mm -hmm. you know, proper soldiers (laughs) rations. Would you think it would be fun to try new foods that are fancy, but no. Well, if you were starving and you couldn't eat breakfast for two days straight, I think you wouldn't want to... I think he's food either. far from starving, but he is a growing young boy. So <laughs> he's I'll 13 give it years him. old. He's, <laughs> he could probably eat three meals a day. <laughs> All right. So uh, that kind of cascades and prompts this little adventure that he has. And he leaves the he leaves the room, asks the soldiers which way to the kitchen, because they always know where food is, which is a fun <laughs> little. I don't know. I love that. 
And I just want to highlight that he says that he was employing Chade's training to sneak through the (laughs) castle. And and he says that the few guards he passed were mostly dozing. None challenged me. At the time, I put it down to my stealth. Now I wonder if they can be if they considered a skinny, tousle-headed lad any wor- threat worth bothering with. And I can just imagine in my head because I would do the same exact thing, <laughs> sneaking through a keep late at night to get to the kitchen to get some food. That is a game. That is uh-huh. you being a stealthy ninja. <laughs> I just picture um Kronk or Kronk from Emperor's <laughs> Group. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, that's the imagery I get when I think of it's sneaking to the <laughs> to the keep. We can make fun all we want, but he is a trained assassin at this point. That, that's true. You know what? Fair <laughs> enough. But also, where was this floorboard knowledge when I was young and needing to sneak to the kitchen for food at, at midnight? Like, right? Yeah. Good to know. Floorboards are less creaky on the sides. So he heads to the kitchen and then uh, finds some food and a serving girl walks in, or so he thinks, Mm -hmm. carrying a baby. (laughs) And in typical Fitz fashion, she's crying. So he turns his eyes away in discomfort. (laughs) She was weeping, not even like crying, just like (laughs) Like straight up weeping. And he's like, "Ooh, gross emotions. Typical Beeric fashion. Uh-huh. He was taught well. So, uh, this is obviously Lady Grace and her little feist. Except not obvious to Fitz. Well, no, not <laughs> obvious to Fitz, but to us, this is Lady yeah. Grace and her feist. Yeah. And, uh, the dog has a bone lodged in its throat. Yes. And there is a ton of very descriptive and nasty, um, <laughs> <laughs> details details yeah nasty details about everything that is happening to this dog yeah and she is distraught of course like i mean she doesn't really know it's kind of obvious she doesn't really know how to take care of a dog yeah first of all for sure second of all she's scared out of her mind that her comfort in this new environment for her mm-hmm. is gonna die because Fitz is very astute. In the last chapter, he thought she might have been raised from the common folk mm-hmm. around the keep. And it's very obvious in this chapter that he was correct and that she doesn't really know what she's doing. And I'm sure this dog is a super big comfort to her. Well, yeah. She because, can take care of it. And also, you know, dogs are just really friendly in general and you get to cuddle and pet them and they True. become part of your family. And if you're a teenage girl married to a creepy old man, I'm sure it would be comforting to have something that you could, you know, or a a friend, so to speak. Especially since we know that people probably don't look on her very fondly just because she's, number one, so young, but number two, not coming from a place of wealth. So I can see why she would be so attached to this dog, but also not know anything because she's never had a dog before. (laughs) Right. I just want to kind of point out that she talks to herself and like exclaims out like, Oh, he's choking again. He's dying. My little feisty is dying and no one but me cares. He just goes on snoring and I don't know what to do. And my darling is dying. And like Fitz is like, 
a little boy in the corner eating stew and averting his gaze. (laughs) And she's just kind of like... She's a little bit dramatic. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's a (laughs) terrible situation. Yeah, I'd be a little dramatic too if my dog was dying. Yeah. Um, But Birik's training in this moment completely kicks in. Well, I think it doesn't kick in when she says that. I think it's when the dog locks eyes with him. And he feels the oh, force yeah. of the panic and pain. Yeah. I mean, yes. But, like, after that point, he is straight to the point. He's blunt. He's he's not even just taking care of the dog. He is mimicking <laughs> Beric in all of his mannerisms. Yeah. He's it so, like, I don't care who you are. Don't look at me. You're stupid. Help me just, like, calm this dog down so I can fix it. Also, <laughs> That's he, the like, only important part. Yeah, I also like the part where he's... Um, hoping that he doesn't have to fight this girl to get to the dog to help it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fits. <laughs> Just use your words. It'll be fine. Um, and uh, she thinks that he is a kitchen boy. Mm-hmm. So they make the same assumptions about one another. Yeah. Who else is in the middle of the night going to be in a kitchen? Right. Kind of <laughs> I just thought that was... That was Kind of cute that both of them were like, oh, this this other person, what do they know about anything? Uh-huh. But um, he kind of diagnoses the dog, and uh, she reveals more ignorance that she doesn't really know what she's doing. She feeds him fish and everything like that. and With the bones still in with it. With the bones still in, yes. Um, just as a disclaimer, this is true. Never feed your uh, your dog's like poultry or fish bones and don't feed them cooked bones either. Cause those can shatter. Break. Yeah. Um, so Fitz is like, okay, I can definitely feel a bone in there. Oh, when these, uh, these claws are not cut in a while either. It's tearing <laughs> yeah. up my arm. Well, could they cut dogs paws <laughs> or nails? I guess like this is basically medieval times. Did they do that? Or did they just let the dogs, like, exercise it out? I think let the dogs exercise it out, and um, Fitz is like, okay, they're way too long to have, <laughs> Fair. to be, uh, you know, to be clipped down by the concrete or the stone. Mm-hmm. So uh, he says, oh, he's Verity's dog boy, I'm here to help, but he's still, like, not even caring about... Yeah. He's just saying that because he knows it'll calm her down. I mean, it's true, but it's also, like probably gonna help her listen to him i can just imagine him staring at this dog the whole time and her like talking at him and him just like answering but never looking at her Mm -hmm. ever no (laughs) eye contact because otherwise he would maybe recognize her sooner well you would think he would recognize her because of the dog but maybe that's just me like how many little dogs did he see coming in (laughs) oh fits sometimes Well, he did think it was a baby first true (laughs) true but the dog was, like, all wrapped up in blankets, like, so tight that you couldn't see. Yeah, so. which is also probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's like, oh, yeah, this bone is definitely lodged. I need something to uh, lubricate the throat with. Finds a bunch of butter. Fat suffices. And melts it a little bit in his stew bowl that was probably still warm. And finds a metal hook probably used for taking kettles off of uh, fire. Yeah, so... How big is this hook supposed right. to be? Yeah. Because I'm picturing like 
a really large, like Captain Hook sized. <laughs> Probably a little skinnier <laughs> than that. I no, would hope. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> But whenever he said it's used to like pull in the stew bowl, I'm picturing Captain Hook level, and I'm like, how is that gonna fit? The full chain hook, just like (laughs) thick steel. (laughs) No, he finds a a good sized hook to uh, stick down this dog's throat and slowly pull out the bone, which works, saves the dog, um, and says like, don't feed them bones like this at all. Mm-hmm. And then um, says, only feed him like rice and cooked meat. She does uh, some mannerism that makes him uh, recognize Lady Grace. Yeah. And then he realizes that he, because this is Lady Grace, it's super bad that he just let this dog pee all over her. Yeah. But uh, she's thankful and she um, asks what. She can get fits, basically, because she's so grateful for this, and she loves having that yeah. power. It's definitely a little bit smug. Oh, like, yeah. She's like, oh, you recognized me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he just straight up, like, states out, like, have your Duke man his tower. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> well, she's probably expecting, like... A kiss or something romantic. Like, you know, they're similar in age. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Fitz is like in his gross, awkward stage, but I get that. I get the feeling that she is completely romanticizing her position, but Mm -hmm. is using that like as a front because she doesn't really know what she's doing because she was like flirting after Verity. Mm -hmm. She was um, wearing all of her jewels. I don't know. It's just. I I know it's. It's rude to say because she doesn't, she's ignorant, but she's mm-hmm. so, like, so out of her element. And yeah. is, it's definitely a romanticized yeah. version of what she assumes the wealthy people are like. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Fitz turns into Shade now. He switches gears after he learns it's Lady Grace. Mm-hmm. And he becomes, once again, excellent at reading people. He's like, oh, that inflection in her tone definitely makes me realize she was not, you know, nobly born. Uh She doesn't really know what she's doing. He kind of knows exactly what will manipulate her and directly goes for that. Saying like, oh, I dreamed this. You must do this and this and this. And he lets his eyes unfocus and her eyes went wide. I had her. (laughs) It's it's really interesting how quickly he switches in between Beric and Shade in this scene. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's it's literally like flipping a switch. Yep. It's kind of crazy. Well, one is dealing with animals and the other is with people. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this this works that we see in the future um, mm-hmm. that basically he convinces her to give away her jewels to uh, provide enough money to man and fix the duchy. Mm-hmm. And makes it sound like a noble cause. Like, yeah. that's what a real lady would do, is care more about the people than her jewels. And it works, because... She needs direction. She does. And he does it... It's so clever that he does it in a way where it's romanticizing, not being beautiful and all dolled up. Um, Because that probably wouldn't be super appealing to a young girl who is newly come into wealth. And that's kind of the only advantage of being this old man's wife. <laughs> right. 
yeah, it says um, a whole whole paragraph here that fits kind of just like intuits about her. It told of a common girl elevated too quickly and too far above her previous station. She was lonely and uncertain and uneducated as to what was expected of her. Worse, she knew that she was ignorant and that knowledge ate at her and soured her pleasures with fear. If she did not learn how to be a duchess before her youth and beauty faded, only years of loneliness and ridicule could await her. She needed a mentor, someone secret like Chade. She needed the advice I could give her right now. So then he goes into his manipulations and like it, he recognizes that she needs help. I can't really give it to her, but I can give her a good leaping off point to mm-hmm. make people view her differently. And she getting that direction is like, yes, I need something. This yes. sounds great. And yeah. it appeals to her romantic side right. of that story of I can be the hero of the people. Mm-hmm. She kind of uh, gets lost in her daydream there. And says goodbye, dog boy, takes her dog back and just walks away, just probably humming to herself, wearing her blankets as a cloak. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Fitz makes his way back to bed, where he seems like he's immediately woken again. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Because <laughs> Lady Time needs him. Good old Lady Time. Smelly Lady Time. So, uh, he's woken up, he's... Not very happy about it and directed down to Lady Time's place where he kind of gets lost a couple times, but eventually makes it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's funny that he gets lost and is like, it's just different in the dark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And it just seems like I wasn't really paying attention and it's different in the dark. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet it, that's like justification because, he you knows Shade would be super disappointed in him for not knowing the way. I do want to point out that uh, hands had Sudi saddled and ready, along with a ribald jest or two about my summons. I suggested <laughs> how he might amuse himself for the rest of the night and then left. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine what was said between the two. Oh, yeah. Two teenage boys. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Fitz knocks at the door and asks, Lady Time, what's wrong? And he just hears, boy. And he's (laughs) like, oh, it's shade. (laughs) Oh, you know. I mean, it says, and instantly I felt more foolish than I care to remember. You just, oh, you could feel it. You like, know. Oh, my teacher got one up on me. Mm-hmm. But Shade is nice about it. He's like, you know, don't feel bad. Everybody falls for it. It's hopefully it keeps happening that way. So, yeah, no big deal, <laughs> which is surprisingly nice of Shade. Because I feel like of all the people in Fitz's life, Shade is for sure the first person to point out his flaws. And Shade means it to, like, help him recognize the flaw and get better um but it doesn't usually come off that way (laughs) so i was very pleasantly surprised that he was nice about this one (laughs) he's a little preoccupied because this is where we learned that the red ship raiders are raiding forge Mm -hmm. they are doing their first batch of forging as it's later come to be known yes and they've demanded a bunch of gold or they will return the hostages. Yes. Both of them are very confused about that. Mm-hmm. Because what could it mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, Fitz is um, 
you know, directed to wrap things up for Lady Time. Yeah. And we find out, this is where we find out how Shade is able to do whatever he needs to do as an assassin, um, whether that's acting as Lady Time or having her have one of her attacks right. and using that to sneak around, yep. which answers my questions that I think I had last time. So Yeah, and he, later he does mention that... Um, I know you had a question about if he was there just to watch over Fitz. Mm -hmm. And I know Fitz directly asks him about it. And Jade's like, no, I I just needed to talk to like women around the village because they know more usually than the Lords. Which I want to, I do want to say that's an interesting tidbit because literally last chapter Fitz er, found the understanding he needed as to what's really going on in this duchy because of the women talking about not being able to find linen yeah. or like good linen cloth mm-hmm. because of the roads not being maintained. Yeah. And they didn't even know they were giving him a piece of a puzzle he didn't have. So I thought that was cool to bring back. Um, and um, in the description of Chade, it, he's described as, you know, ready to travel He looked a different man suddenly, very fit and energetic. He glanced up at me, and for a moment, I would have sworn it was Verity the soldier I was facing. It's just another hint that he is a farseer bastard, and Fitz doesn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Just that family resemblance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wonders here if the old man is a facade that he's putting on, which is interesting that that's what he's focusing on and not how like he is to Verity. Uh, but I, he's very caught up in are people lying to me about who they are. Yeah. Which is really sad because he's pretty young and already can't trust anybody. Um, but kind of shade is putting on an act. Um, A little bit. I don't think he, well, because you know, once he finally gets out of behind the walls, he's, energetic and life filled i guess um so uh, i was i'm just wondering if maybe he like plays up being like a feeble old man to be more comforting and especially when he first met fitz to like help him let his guard down and to see shade as friendlier you know if that makes sense I don't know. No, it does make sense. Um, I think it's it maybe partially, but I also think I mean he's been inside the walls for so long that when he does get let out, he gets some sun on himself that True. like <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of helps reinvigorate his zeal for life. But this, I think this energy, uh I believe is from like Karis Seed or something yes. like that, because he has very weary side effects later Mm -hmm. on in this chapter and i think just the burst of energy is him taking some drugs basically i was thinking that too because he i don't know we we can get to it but yeah so uh they kind of talk about like this whole thing that's going on why this is so odd and that everything is planned out for them to go on this um this hunt, basically, to forge, just to scout it out, to see what's yeah. going on. Because they kind of want to figure out why it would be a bad thing to let the people come back. Yeah, because it, it's really weird. But 
Shade normally wouldn't be worried about that. But the guy who delivered them, some of his family got taken, and he was extremely shook by the attitudes of the raiders. Uh-huh. And so Chade is very convinced that it is, you know, a credible threat, and they don't know mm-hmm. exactly what they're dealing with. Yeah. So he's going to investigate for King Shrewd. Mm-hmm. All right, so everything's arranged, and um, it basically says that he did not play swiftly, but to win. So, you know, they are being careful about their horses. Yeah. You know, they're not galloping straight out because it's a very long journey. They're leaving in the middle of the night, maybe, you know, two, three in the morning. Yeah. And it's late afternoon or something by the time they get. Yeah. And I mean, to a stop. he even says, I will never forget that night ride. Not because it was a wild gallop to the rescue, but because it was not. Shade guided us and used the horses as if they were game pieces on a board. And I think this idea of Shade being this, like, chess master and everybody else is just pieces in the game that Shade is playing um, is just really, really shown here. Yeah, with definitely. how he's deciding to move on this in the best way. <clears throat> um, but yeah, Shade, CEO of everybody else is playing checkers, but I'm out here playing <laughs> chess. <laughs> um, so there are um, a couple passages in here where it shows Shade getting more and more exhausted. It says, by midday, uh, the livid spots stood out starkly against his pale skin. He looked more bloodless than the fool. Dark circles underscored his eyes. And Chade is kind of, a, he's kind of bothered by Fitz's concern and his stares at him. So he's like, report to me. Like, just, you know, concern yourself with what you did. Tell me what you did. Tell me what's going on. And Fitz explains everything. and. Shade just has to laugh. He's like, it's the same luck your father had. Maybe your diplomacy in the kitchens actually paid off and this might fix everything. Mm-hmm. And then it continues on with Shade kind of monologuing here. And he is rambling on and on about different topics from topic to topic. He talks about how King Bounty decided that the skill wasn't to be learned anymore, which was the king that trained him as an assassin, Shrewd's father. And he, he talks about just random things. And Fitz is like, I've never heard him rambling like this before. Yeah. This is where I really thought he was um, maybe using Karis seed or some other drug. Yeah. Um, just because of how, so this conversation about um, that goes into the skill and how people used to be trained in skill and um, King Bounty decided that it should stop because it, it's more elite if there it's a secret. Um, and it kind of seems like this is kind the sadness effect, right? Because we know shade doesn't, he was never allowed to train in the skill and so I could see this conversation kind of winding around to like, I don't, because he even says like, I, d- I don't understand that point of view that it's a better tool if it's elite. And maybe that's a little bit of the like, 
anger that he feels for not being able to um, learn it. But he also goes on um, to talk about how Shrewd probably likes keeping it so elite because then the servant, his underlings, um, are kept wondering if he can actually pick up on what they were thinking without their uttering a word. And he says, yes, that would appeal to Shrewd. That would. And it kind of just to me read as like this rambling where you're like thinking about how, oh, I was never trained in this and I know that I could do it if I was just trained. Um, And I don't know why this won't change. And of course, it's because Shrewd is uh, just happy to make people think he's more powerful than he is and just seems so dark and like such a different view than we normally hear shade say at least out loud that really made me feel like this was like a kerosene rant (laughs) do you think then do you think it was elf bark because elf bark is the one that makes you like depressed at the end of it Mm, that's right kerosene just makes you your body forget that you can get tired and then you kind of collapse from exhaustion which is what I, I thought, thought it this also, was. I thought kerosene also comes with a darkening mood. It's why they use it on the slaves and Chalced because it keeps their spirits down. Right? Um, I, it keeps them working harder and then their spirits are down so they can't fight back. You develop a dependence on it from what I kind of looked up. And if you have too much of it, you eventually can't really do any physical labor without it because it's just like you're... Your use, your body is used to it, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought, I mean, I know elf bark also brings dark moods, but I thought there was like a thing about. I mean, let's be honest. This is probably a special blend of jades. <laughs> True, <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Fitz is always mentioning how secret recipes that Jade has that he brews and teas that he never knows what's in it because uh-huh. he doesn't recognize any of the herbs. Yep, that's fair. So, um, it. There's just more and more evidence that Shade is getting more and more exhausted. Like something happens and he almost falls off his horse and it's barely anything. He's kind of veering off the trails a little bit where Fitz starts leading. And and Fitz offers to stop and rest for a bit. And Shade says, trust me, boy, I know what I can do and I'm not so foolish as to attempt more than that. And quite obviously he's wrong. But I do want to ask, do you think this is where Fitz gets the idea that he just has to push himself to the physical, his physical boundary? Like over and over throughout this whole series, we see Fitz pushing himself, knowing full well that this isn't what he can do, whether that's because it's been a long time since he's been as fit or as young as he once was, or if it's just because he's tired, he's constantly pushing himself further and further past his own limitations. And I wonder if this is shades doing not on purpose, but just by example. Yeah. We, we know Fitz learns by example mm-hmm. clearly from this, <laughs> from this chapter. <laughs> yes. Inhabits Burek and then inhabits Shade. Mm-hmm. And you're probably right in that because Shade right now is on the hunt for a mystery. He is trying to gain knowledge for his king to react to save part of his kingdom and his villagers. Mm-hmm. And he's extremely driven at this point. And Fitz can see that. And he's like, you know, the things that you do for 
you know, the, the, the things that you need to get done. Yeah. And Fitz is extremely driven at various points in this series and does exactly what you said. So probably he learned by example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm not so foolish as to attempt more than what he can do. I feel like that's brought up a couple times mm-hmm. with Chade again and with Fitz at some point. Yeah. I feel like they like, oh, I no, I know what I'm doing kind of thing, but they always push it a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they eventually make it a, their way to the beach, and Shade is very relieved, and he immediately goes in the boat and probably falls asleep because yep. he keeps he keeps saying that we have five or six hours to rest. Once we're across on the boat, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just keep going. Yeah. And here we learn that Fitz is even too tired to reach out with the wit to mm-hmm. you know get the horses on. Yeah, which is the first time he's ever had this problem. Yeah. So, so I'm just wondering exhausted. if, yeah, I just wonder if that means that Fitz is really strong in the wit and it, that he's able to constantly connect with animals and get across to them what he needs them to do. Or if it's just because he's tired and I think it's be just because he's tired. I feel like since he doesn't always reach out constantly because Birik is around sometimes, mm-hmm. He's always been able to do it when he has. Well, he still reaches out when Bjork's around. He just has learned how to hone it in and make it smaller, so to say, um, when he reaches out so that Bjork doesn't notice as easily. So it's like not as deep of a connection, but he's still reaching out to animals. Yeah, like the the questing is what it's called. But they're still, Night Eyes and him are still yelled at repeatedly for being way too broad and yelling out their communication. So I feel like... One, Birik isn't very trained in it, obviously. Right. But two, Fitz, I feel like, is barely just getting away with it with Birik if Fair. he's doing that. And there's a couple times where he mentions that he he's, feels fine questing out because Birik isn't there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's very restrained around Birik. That's fair. I mean, he would have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would have to be. Yeah, so they uh, finally get across and on the boat, and they're they're heading over to Forge. Mm-hmm. And this is the the kicking off point. Yeah, for the uh, the big conflict here. And the, next- the only thing he's thinking about is how he's going to explain to Burek how they got salt water on the saddles, <laughs> every bit of leather, and every buckle on their harness. <laughs> um, Thoughts are always to the animals. Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of animals, so I was just thinking about this. Do you think when Fitz is feeling like what the animals are feeling, um, it's similar to how live ships work? Like when people are on live ships, um, to go back a little bit, whenever he's working on the dog, um, it says that he has to, um, it took all of his self-control to not feel the pain and fear that the dog was sending at him. Um, and he was able to like steadily pull the bone out. So do you think that's really similar to how live ships act when they're sending their feelings to the crew when they feel uneasy or upset? Probably. I mean, it's just like a bigger scale. Yeah. Like the, they, they come from dragons, right? Skill comes from dragons as far as we know. Mm -hmm. And the circle of magic that's mentioned later, I think. Mm hmm. 
Chade kind of explains that they are all kind of connected. And I feel like you were right in that earlier episode where you said that the wit and the skill kind of share a border along that circle. So I feel like a lot of things are mixed in there. We don't really know how it works, but I, I, I would agree with that. That it's fairly similar, at least. We know the skill can go into different people's minds. We know the wit can, you know, physically throw you back or, mm-hmm. you know, exude a feeling or a calm into animals, things like that. So it, I mean, it seems pretty similar to me. Mm. There's one big thing that I want to hint at before we wrap this up. Yeah. Um, there is a point in here where they're discussing where Chade is discussing and kind of complaining and wondering about how the Raiders knew when to hit Forge. Mm-hmm. So Verity just left Buckkeep to go reprimand a man about not manning and defending the coast. The Red Ship Raiders hit at that exact time close to Buckkeep at a village where Verity can now be talked about as not defending his coast mm-hmm. and have just, you know, gone to talk to a man about it. So he could be seen as a hypocrite by complete, quote, happenstance, uh-huh. you know. And this is where my theory that the Queen and Regal are the spies already really comes into play. Because okay. it feels to me that this is such a calculated move to undermine people's confidence in Verity to get him removed from the line as well. So Regal could step up and step in. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is, this is kind of hinted at, but it's my head canon for sure that they are already in league with one another and they've been fed that information. That's an interesting theory. No, I mean, I feel like for the most part, I'm on board with the fact that um, the pale woman just knows everything <laughs> and is directing things. But I guess it would make way more sense if they could know more information. Because, I mean, how else would she know exactly when to go in? And But it just... I, I think I have a hard time because I can't imagine... The type of person you would have to be to like basically let lead some of your own kingdom, what you want to be your kingdom uh, to but lead them coast folk. Yes. But like to lead them to death, just to like slaughter some people to get a family member. Well, I guess to regal a family member out of the line of secession. Like, uh, I just, well, Red Ship Raiders probably promised not to kill them if they paid the gold. That's fair. Or, or no, like it would they be the other way have, around. Yeah. They, if, you know, if they met demands one way or well, the other, they wouldn't kill them. Well, do you think... Hmm. So do you think they know that the Red Ship Raiders have this no. stone, the forging stone? I do not. I think they're just, you know... They either, I don't remember how it worked, but they either approached them or got approached and maybe, maybe by the pale woman herself Mm -hmm. being like, these could be our people, you know, to enact some change here. And 
they're like, this, this is good. We can undermine some faith and confidence in the current royal line. Hmm. I, I, don't, what... I don't believe it's the pale woman's prescience and her foresight for these Fair. like day-to-day yeah. raids because everything that we get from the fool is, yes, he's like kind of led to act in certain ways at certain times, mm-hmm. but it's in big strokes. It's not in like this day we do yeah. this tomorrow. Right. I'll do well, another thing. I don't think it's from what she's seeing. I think it's from the writings that have been made mil- from the millions of whites that they grow. Yeah. I, because we know that they have such a, in like, a huge library of every single prediction ever made and i feel like that would be a pretty good roadmap if you had a basically mostly accurate telling of how you get i don't know true i i just feel like it's not as i just feel like the prophecies are more vague than what you're kind of Betraying. Well, I, they feel like we in the last trilogy when we hear some of the scriptures that the uh, um, the whites read out to Lingstradualia. It's more like poemy, flowery kind mm-hmm. of language in the typical prophecy kind of thing. And even if millions and upon millions of predictions were laid on top of one another, there's tons of ways to interpret that. And they probably aren't day to day. They're just about various things that need to happen. Right. But I'm saying like. On the fourth raid of a red ship, the king is close by and uh, you weaken the throne or something is vague enough. And if it was like they've been attacking this area so much. I don't know. I could be. I, I mean, I don't I'm not saying that it like these predictions are and on may 3rd right right, yeah (laughs) i'm saying like there's so much information at their disposal that it would be really easy with all of that behind you to like navigate where you need to be when but i also could see that it's probably because there's some sort of well, because they end up with all the scrolls, right? The skill scrolls. Yeah. So it has to be. They have to be, right? It just makes me so sad. I don't know. I hate it. I don't. As much as I don't like Regal or his mother, I hate the idea that they're just that okay with killing people just because they're from the outer duchies. The inland duchies? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I still prescribe subscribe to the uh i still subscribe to the theory my own theory i guess yeah i mean it makes sense the spy and i believe like i'm sure you're right but i don't (laughs) want you to be right (laughs) and fitz was feeling pretty good about himself this chapter yeah he uh fixed something you know helped the dog helped the dog didn't have to kill anybody Mm -hmm. didn't kill the dog Super stealthy in Super the hallway. Super stealthy. Finally Nobody, got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Finally got to eat. That would make him pretty happy. Yeah. Is going on an adventure, but is also slightly worried at the end because Jade isn't looking too hot mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what this means. So. Yeah. But I think, I think he's happy. Oh yeah. I think he's, he's doing all right. This one. 
This is a fun adventure. Yeah. I mean, it's you. He's worried, obviously. I mean, Shade is worried, and that would be worrisome. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that Fitz is happy this episode. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, everybody who have uh, rated and reviewed us so far. And thank you so much for sending some memes our way. We've laughed a lot about those. Yes, they're and very funny. Maybe when uh, some of them are from the future. So maybe when we get to those parts, we might uh, post a little bit of them. But yeah. Yeah. Pretty good so far. Thank you, everybody. Got a great little community of memers. Oh, God. <laughs> if you want to argue with us about uh, if there is a spy or if there is... You know, prophecies telling you that on May 3rd, they have to raise. <laughs> on, the, on the 23rd year of our Lord Trude, <laughs> we must uh, hit forge. That's the prophecy. Uh, yes, yeah. So if you want to do any of that, please let us know. Reach out to us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or on any social medias at isfitshappy. Yeah, we look forward to conversing with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to see you next time.